What is up, everybody? My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Anarelli. And this is the Market Today podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode. This is episode 126. For those of you that are new, what we do here every week is read a new book about business, psychology, philosophy, you know, any of the uh, of the leads, right? Any of the things that we could learn about and teach should the time ever present itself. So we bring uh, bring you guys the keynotes, give you guys an idea of whether we liked it, whether we didn't like it, whether it was good or bad, etc., etc. So we have another book for you guys this week called The Dip. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But before we get into that, uh, we wanted to have a little conversation today, uh, just a, kind of a discussion piece, less less news, more kind of open dialogue between me and Ross of just kind of potentially two different perspectives on a topic. Um, and that topic is whether government officials should be able to invest in the markets. So Ross, what's, uh, what's kind of your overall thoughts on this? So, I mean, this is an interesting conversation because I'm kind of in the middle in the sense that I feel like everybody should be able to openly invest. You know, it's a free market. If you really believe in a company, you should be able to invest. Now, like I said, the reason this comes up is because it gets to a little bit more of a gray area because if you have an ability to dictate the future of this company, whether it be through, um, you know, policy making or things like that, I don't know if you should, and we see this with a lot of prominent, um, uh, a lot of prominent people in the government, where, you know, they're they're beating, very very high level financial advisors, which, you can argue are are super important or not doesn't really matter, but the fact that somebody who this is not their regular job, they're not looking at financial data all the time, they're not looking at trends that they're able to beat the market in such a way should kind of spark something. So, you know, when I see certain people and they're just making, you know, hand over fist on some of these investments because they had a say on, you know, whether it be 5G in America or some new tech or, or even we talk now with like crypto, like what could happen there for them to have an edge. It gets really close to insider trading and a lot of them know it. And that's why a lot of them actually... Um, buy their shares through, um, you know, their spouse a lot of the time. So I don't know. It falls in an interesting level. What do you think, more? Well, I think I agree with you. Uh, to a certain extent, I think that everybody should have an opportunity to make money in the markets. I think it's just it's part of the American dream. It's part of you know being able to invest in the markets. Part of you know buying assets. At the same time, though, I mean. You're right. When you have so much power and ability to manipulate the way that people interact in a certain way, you know, it makes a big difference. And if, if your, you know, political movements can affect a company to do well or poorly, and you have knowledge of how and when and who, you know, then that's dangerous information. And someone in that position of power shouldn't be, you know, bias, you know, it should be a position of unbiased judgment. So you kind of have this interesting catch 22 of, of how do you find a balance between allowing government, government officials who are people just like me and you to be able to, you know, 
take advantage of the markets and be able to, to you know take their their assets and multiply them through you know sound investment strategy but where do we draw the line and say you know hey this is an unfair advantage you are directly related to how like to the the movements of the of, of this market of the, the 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 players in this market you know um so it leaves me torn and i don't think until maybe the last two or three years when a lot of things have started to come to light because of just so much scrutiny in the public eye for for politicians etc etc um it's really interesting that now it's all kind of coming to light and everything is you know being seen in a different way because i think up until a few years ago i probably wouldn't have thought too much about it but now because there's so much data and there's so much information out there and it's so easy to see uh it, you know it does make you think twice it really does yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think that's kind of the, one of the benefits of technologies. We've seen this. Like, we saw this before. What was it called? The um, I think it was called the Panama Papers, where pretty much it was someone leaked all this documentation of all these prominent people in a comp society and government as well, you know, everything from CEOs to politicians, um, where they were really kind of harboring a lot of their money in shell companies, kind of in the British islands and things like that. And a lot of them you know, really got prosecuted because really up until then, the IRS had no real way of actually being able to dive into some of these things. I mean, the government has done a really good job of strapping the IRS for cash. I mean, they don't really have the funds or the resources to really kind of uncover a lot of these things. So when these papers got leaked, you know, it really gave them a lot of great evidence to be able to go after some of these people. But, and like you said, we talk about it really wasn't a big deal in the last few years, but now... I know there's there's full-on fan pages of people following Nancy Pelosi's trades and things like that. So it's crazy to see that, you know, now there's a spotlight on it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because if you're one of these people with the spotlight on you, what do you do? Do you continue forward like nothing is wrong, no one's watching, and just try to keep going like everything is fine? Do you try to limit it? You know, and that shows that... Maybe you did notice something was wrong. See, they're kind of in a weird spot, too. They almost have to continue full steam ahead as if no one's watching. Because if you do, you may not, uh, what's the word, not admit to fault or wrongdoing, but you may give the impression, which in nowadays can be just as, as damaging to your reputation or business as actually doing it. So... It's going to be interesting to see. I think if they could find a way where they can still invest publicly, but not in a way if they have to, if they're voting on something in some way. I don't know how that's possible to mitigate that or if there should be a limit. Because let's be real, if you're going to trade on somewhat insider info, you shouldn't be able to invest the full amount. You'll still make your money, but you shouldn't be able to you know, invest unlimited amount of money with you know that you're going to win. I mean, they don't, they don't even let you do that in Vegas. If you start winning too much in a Vegas casino, the casino bans you. They literally will ban you because you did too well in their casino. So what's the point? They set up this whole system to where the, everything is rigged in their favor. They, they have the house always wins. But if you win too much, their strategy is, hey, you can't come back. So it's really interesting to see what, what some of these big companies and, and big people do when it comes to high-level money and somewhat... I wouldn't even say insider info. I think just when someone feels like they have an unfair edge. So 
I don't know. I'll be very interested to see what happens with this. Um, I would really kind of not like to see them do it. Like I said, if you're really making egregious amounts of money, that's that's pretty bad. Especially when you're going to the podium in COVID times talking about we need to help the poor and the disenfranchised when at the same time you're investing millions in Pfizer before they announce the vaccine and then you're just making just tons of money. It's, it's just like there's a lot of hypocrisy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with this. I completely agree. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. And uh, with that being said, we'd love to move into the book now. Uh, so this week we read a book called The Dip by an author named Seth Godin. And, you know, it was actually a rather interesting book. It was a shorty. Um, recently we've been reading some shorties just because time constraints, etc., etc. So we've been trying to find some good ones for you guys. And this one was solid. It wasn't bad. Um, I think it was an, an interesting take on time management and being able to really focus in on the things that matter most to achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve. So, you know, it's kind of this concept that you're going to take a little dip before you really start to take off. And during that dip, it can be very easy to try to start to veer away from the from the goal or for veer away from the the process or the path that you've been following for so long and you know this is the concept of focus on one thing that you know it does well and drop everything else which is very interesting it's the um you know this is about being an expert being the best in your field so i thought it was interesting that uh you know, this perspective was brought into the table uh, just because, you know, I think that these days it's it's more relevant in society to be a well-rounded person than it is to be an absolute expert in one field. Well, what do you think about that, Ross? Do you think it's better to be... Um good at a lot of things versus an expert in one field? No, I, I feel I feel like it's it's more commonplace as opposed yeah, to I truly would, being an expert in something. I would agree. And I think the reason for that too is because knowledge is so readily available. It's very easy to watch a few courses or get deep in a subject for a few weeks, you know, when it's still hot and fun and get pretty good at something and then not have the desire, the passion, or the will to continue forward. So I definitely think there's probably a lot more people like that. Like I said, sometimes it can work in your benefit. It really just depends on, on maybe if you're pairing certain skills together. But I think when you're starting to do, you know, like in this case, they talked almost about like snowboarding. Like if I was deciding I want to pick up snowboarding and I want to pick up horseback riding, like those, those don't go together. But if you wanted to pick up writing and you wanted to pick up, I don't know, poetry. Those could go together. They coincide. There's some overlap there. But I don't know. I, I think it definitely brought a good point to light, which, you know, you're always taught growing up to don't quit. But, we, you know, me and you have talked long before about, like, the Gary Vee motto of, like, you know, double down on what you're good at and kind of shed the stuff that, you know, you're not the best at. So this kind of falls into that category for me. But I did think it was pr a pretty interesting way to think of success because I think any job you take – there is that period where it's going to get really hard because business could ramp up and you don't have the skill set yet, you know, if you're a new employee somewhere. So I think those that do stick it out is, is really powerful. They also talked about, 
you know, a CEO and the journey to be a CEO and the fact that, you know, it could take 25 years to get there, that someone took a quarter century to get to that position. And that's what creates that scarcity. There's only so many people in the world with the the skill set and the knowledge to be able to, you know, fill that position. So that's kind of what leads to some of these high salaries. So there were a lot of a lot of interesting things. For me, I really started to think of it in the sense of like an athlete. And I think of how many athletes, whether it be in the NFL or you see a lot of it with like figure skating when you talk about the Olympics. You know, like I don't follow figure skating at all until you get to the Olympics and it's oddly entertaining. But it's crazy to think that these people are training for four years um, or even swimming as well. But like they're training for four years pretty much nonstop every day, 6 a.m. kind of stuff. And and it's not even that they're better. It's, it's just that 99.9% of the population does not have the mental fortitude to be able to do that and get to that position. And I think that's something to think about that, you know, you can really outwork people and, and outmuscle them, even if they may have an advantage of you physically, mentally, emotionally. I think you can really kind of overcome a lot of that if you're mentally strong in the sense that you either want it more or maybe you're better at managing time, managing resources, managing communication. So I thought it was a really interesting take on quitting. I don't know. I really like the book. Yeah, that was pretty cool too. Um, and it's interesting because for me, I feel like I've always been very well-rounded. Like I've always enjoyed being you know, knowledgeable about a lot of things. So now to take on a slightly different perspective of how can I be an expert in the things that I, that, that I do um, and really narrow my focus, it'll be interesting to see how I can incorporate that into the plethora of things that I do and kind of pick and choose the thing that that is the most universal for all the things that I do on a daily basis. So I think it'll be interesting to, to you know start to try to integrate some of these uh, lessons that I learned through this book. So... I don't know, Ross, any, any kind of final thoughts? Any, anything that, uh, that that comes to mind? You know, I think it was a good book in the sense that, um, and it kind of mentioned it as well, is just kind of understanding and knowing it. You know, understanding that there is going to be a dip and there is going to be a time where you need to decide, you know, do you want to do this or not? And I think a lot of people decide that without understanding. You know, I think it's almost like they go in rosy-eyed, this is going to be great, and then all of a sudden it's dark and gloomy one day and they're like, you know what? I can't, I don't want to do it. I'm done. And they quit. But I think just understanding that there is that natural dip of, you know, you're going to get the excitement, the euphoria from the beginning. It's going to get really hard at one point. And if you want to stick it through, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you know, you just need to identify that this is about to occur. And I think that can give people a lot of perspective on the decision that's ahead. Cause I feel like a lot of people get to the point or they didn't think about it. You know, same thing when we start a company. We, we have the conversation of the what if this doesn't work. You know, no one's picking up snowboarding thinking, well, what if I don't like it or it gets too difficult or I fall too much? You know what I mean? No one's thinking that until all of a sudden they're faced with that and they're like, well, I need to decide. Well, I'm just going to quit because it sucks right now. They're making a very in-the-moment decision. They're not able to look far enough ahead. So for me, like I said, I would give this book... You know, I wouldn't say one of the best books, but I think honestly one of the better books in the sense that it does help you prioritize, I think, your life decisions a little bit in a very simple manner. Like I said, just by able to just being able to identify that this is going to occur in whatever you choose, whether it be new job, new hobby, maybe new relationship. This is going to be something that you're going to always be forced with. And that is 
what do you do when you get to this dip? So for me, I enjoyed it. I thought it was re I thought it was a great take on quitting. So um, definitely a fan. Well, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I really, uh, you know, I did enjoy it myself. I think you might have enjoyed it a little bit more than I did. And, uh, you know, I think that it was worth the read, and it's it's always good to just remind yourself of what your priorities are and remind yourself of what, you know, is important, what needs to get done, and what is just kind of fluff. And with all that being said, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode 126. My name is Moore Milo. No, I'm Ross Anarelli. And this was the Market Today podcast. We will catch you guys next week. Take care.